fellow classic TV fans, and welcome to the Retro TV Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Pat McCormack. On today's show, we are joined by the multi-talented, Emmy-nominated Wally Kurth. This fine actor has been a fixture on daytime television for over 35 years, and he continues to this very day playing Justin Kiriakis on Days of Our Lives and Ned Quartermain on General Hospital. I had the distinct honor of sharing the musical stage with this man for many years as a member of the Emmy Award-winning band, Kurth and Taylor. Every second of that was a complete pleasure. And I'm sure as you get to know Wally in this interview, you'll see why. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, my dear friend, the iconic Wally Kurth. Wallace! Hello, Patrick. How are you, buddy? I'm down here in Southern California, and you're up there in Northern California. We don't see each other like we used to, and we're not playing gigs anymore, so I miss you. Well, it's mutual, my friend, and at least I see you're still doing music, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with your character, which is, well, let's start off by identifying that character, which, of course, has been on the daytime television screens for, it's been 36 years plus. Well... Honestly, it was the scene. It was in '87, and this is now 2023, so it's 36 years. 36 years ago, this month, it was in January. I remember going into the audition for Days of Our Lives. It was right after the Christmas break, and uh, yeah, and I. It was funny a bit. I was just talking to my brother, and I was telling him how we're like six months ahead the tape shows to the air shows, and he said, "Wasn't it just like a couple weeks in the past?" I go, "Well, it was even closer than that uh, when I." got the role of Justin Kiriakis on Days of Our Lives, we actually worked on a Saturday, which was the first and only Saturday I've ever worked in daytime television, and it was going to air that Thursday. So that's how close we were to, you know, airing, taping, and taping and airing. So I think they usually were like a week and a half, but for some reason, well, I can tell you why, they, didn't have, they couldn't find the right actor to play the role, uh, and evidently... Uh, they weren't sure about Wally Curse playing the role of Justin, so uh, I don't know what that. I guess there was a little bit of a delay. <laughs> well, now I think they're sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're sure, Wally. <laughs> I think I'm locked, locked in now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're doubly locked in, but we'll get to that other guy in a second. I'm, of course, I know a lot about your past because we have shared tremendous experiences together and moments on stage that I will never forget. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. The question really is, what started it? Now, I know that you came from Billings, Montana, and went straight to Broadway. Yeah. I mean, I was the youngest of five kids, and um, I, I, I was always singing. So singing and music was, I mean, singing in particular was just always a passion of mine. So I'd hear something on the radio and i would just you know start singing along and usually it was the same song repeated over and over and over again <laughs> <laughs> that's my autism just repeating it over and over and over again and um and uh and my brothers would say shut up or sing another song <laughs> <laughs> but i was always singing and uh, so when i was 11 years old uh my teacher they were doing a high school production of oliver and uh, my sixth grade teacher uh, knew that I evidently knew that I was I was a singer because she, I was probably singing loud in class, uh, and she said, "I we I really think you should go down and audition for this, you know, down to the high school and audition with all the other boys. They got almost every boy in Billings, Montana, to go down there and sing a few bars 
And um, and I got the role of the Artful Dodger. Actually, they, they double cast it, so there's two Artful Dodgers and two Olivers. And it was just such a thrill, you know, to be on stage. And, you know, I think for people, actors, they do have to definitely catch the bug. And they have to have an experience that is um, impactful. And it was definitely very impactful. It was really exciting. It's a really fun role. And, you know, I just remember people standing up and applauding and afterwards asking for my autograph. And I went, well, this is cool. I do <laughs> I, I do I do like attention. <laughs> and I love and I love to sing. All right. Well, this is gonna work. This is working out just fine. And you know, I was kind of a class clown. I was always getting in trouble. I was always like and people teachers were always just saying, just stop talking and just can you concentrate? <laughs> so I that really was a little ADD. I was the kid, I was definitely the actor that was like you hear a lot of actors just looking out the window, daydreaming, not really focusing on what was happening on the chalkboard. So I needed an outlet and I needed to dream. Uh, you know, I needed to I was always like watching television, thinking like, well, could I do that? You know, so I I knew when I left high school in Billings that I that's something that I wanted to pursue. So I was lucky in that regard that I was pretty focused and I also had a confidence that I thought I could do it and that also helps um so that's kind of how I got started I was lucky to have an experience when I was 11 and and it just um made me think that this is something I want to do and something that I thought I was good at and I could do it which are two different things but two very important things right right well and I've I've witnessed that firsthand that you can do it and you can back it up and so the thing was, you broke onto Broadway. It was it was kind of an odd experience the way you fell into the Pirate King, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I went to UCLA. I was a music. I was a theater major, but I I was also taking musical theater classes. We'd have there wasn't a musical theater major at UCLA. There was just a we'd have on Saturday we'd sing musicals and stuff. And you know it's funny. I mean, it. it <laughs> I was not in a band, but I was taking guitar lessons in in college. I started playing guitar like at eighteen, nineteen. Actually, eight. Yeah, 19, I think, was when I, grew, when I bought my first guitar when I came down here to L.A. And I took some guitar lessons one summer. And that was really the extent of my guitar lessons. So I was always sort of focused on theater. And I really I really gained a passion for theater history and what that was as, from an actor's point of view. And um, so I was at, in, the, in going to school, and there was a non-equity course called Downtown for the national tour of Pirates of Penzance that was going to be starring Barry Boswick and Andy Gibb and Pam Dauber. And I just went to the course call, and um, I, you know, I, I had a really, really big range. I was uh, actually, I really wanted to do Tony and West Side Story, um, so I was really singing a lot of really high stuff, trying to be the, a tenor, which I'm really not. I'm really a baritone, high baritone. But I was really hitting those high notes, and uh, I have a natural low voice as well, so I could hit the really low notes. So the the music director was just kind of a, he liked that I was a freak, that I could hit this high B flat and I could hit this low E flat. And so I was one of the few pirates that was miked, so I could. You know, so I really felt kind of like, oh, okay, they they really want my voice out there more than you know. Most of the other pirates weren't really mic'd. Well, none of them were, and but there was people off stage singing. So I had to make sure that I could hit the high B flat on and that whole thing. Come friends to plow the sea, and then the low E flat. Policeman's lot is not a happy one. Happy one. 
And um, anyway, they got me. I ended up being the second understudy for the Pirate King in, in San Francisco. And then the first understudy got sick. And he was also the sergeant. So I ended up playing the sergeant who had to hit that low E flat. So I was able to do that. And then Jim Belushi died. And uh, or John Belushi died. Jim was our was our Pirate King. And I was then his now understudy. So when he went to the funeral, I was thrust on stage in Chicago at the Schubert Theater. And I, I was 23 years old, 22 years old. I couldn't even grow a beard. I had a mustache. <laughs> So I glued on a beard and tried to make myself look, you know, mid forties, which is what, or mid thirties, which is what Kevin Klein and Treat Williams and Gary Sandy, all those guys were, were playing. I mean, Jim was probably late twenties. So, I mean, he, he didn't have to be that old, but I looked like a kid. I looked really young and, uh, but I could do it vocally. And I was, you know, I'd steal all the best bits that, you know, from Barry Boswick and, and Jim and, and make up, come up with a few of my own. And, and I made the role my own and, and anyway, to make a long story short, they moved me to the New York company, and I was uh, in the first understudy there, uh, where I was. Jim was on, on on Broadway then, and so when he left, I ended up doing the last three months of the Broadway run of Pirates of Penzance at the old, I think the Minskoff at the Minskoff Theater, which I think the Minskoff is still there. So it was really thrilling, really exciting, and I was completely, um, yeah, not expecting to be. Uh, going a student at UCLA, and a mere 19 months later, or 16 months later, I was starring on Broadway with my name and lights. <laughs> so something I could have never planned. Yeah, yet it was fate, and I can speak from experience, which is really kind of a cool place for for an interviewer to be, <laughs> having having worked with you on stage, and that is, folks, this man can sing, and I mean really sing. I found myself so many times on stage when we were doing Kurth and Taylor, where I've, I kind of forgot I was in the band. <laughs> I'm up there playing right alongside you guys, and there's a lot of people in front of us. And I'm like, man, I'm such a fan of this guy. God. Well, wait a minute. I just missed my guitar solo. <laughs> Wake up, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something, my friend. Feelings mutual. You know, you're a guitar player. I'm a singer, and we appreciate each other's talents. And I loved standing next to you and hearing you just, you know, those those searing guitar solos, and you know, just do what you do best. And uh, so, let me just throw that out there right now that I'm a huge fan of yours as well. And it was a privilege being on stage with you. And uh, I missed that time. And, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get back there and do it again. But but thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Well, gosh, I hope so. And I'm going to hold you to that, by the way. <laughs> We've got it. We've got it here documented. <clears throat> but again, it, those were such wonderful times. And the fact that I got to be on the show with you was even even cooler. I mean, it was just a handful of times for me. But what was great was being able to see you work um, and how effortless it was, you know, with with Days of Our Lives, which, of course, is still going. That was where you started. Um, and then, of course, you developed your character uh, on General Hospital, who, of course, was Ned Ashton. I was always kind of kind of confused. Ned Ashton Quartermain? Is it? Is it? Well, you know what? They, they, I actually, the character changed his uh, government of his last name, Ashton, and legally became Quartermain. So he is Ned Quartermain. I am Ned Quartermain now. So, yeah, Ashton's gone, which is good. It was always confusing. Yeah. Well, I got to say this. Um, 
I, I got an opportunity to see you act, and I'm working that way. I, and I, if I hadn't heard the term at one point or other, maybe it was maybe it was uh, Christian Taylor. It was like, look, it's one take, Wally. Watch this. <laughs> Where all these other actors, these very prominent daytime actors, are struggling just to get a single take. <laughs> well, <laughs> you would walk that, it. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's the alliteration that I like. One take, Wally, is I'm not always one take. I strive for it. And now, one of the reasons why I think I'm, um, well, I, I do both shows now. And I think one of the reasons is because I do try to prepare myself to, um, you know, deliver my performance in one take. So I kind of look at it like, okay, it's opening night and closing night, just like the, you know, the theater, although theater is usually not a closing night, immediate closing night, but there's definitely an opening night. And so I, I do sort of look at it like, okay, be prepared, magic time. Let's get, let's you know what you're doing and go out there and, uh, you know, hopefully it, uh, it, there it is a little magical. And, uh, so that's what I, that's what I hope for. That's what I strive for. We'll see. It doesn't always happen, but. You know, you strive for perfection, and you have to basically sometimes accept mediocrity. <laughs> that's my, that's my, but that's how I stay sane, Pat. Well, I never saw that. I never saw the mediocrity part. But of course, I was only there for a handful of episodes. So. But the thing was, the question in my mind is: Here you are, two very established characters on these shows. I, I'm, I'm assuming because I'd never been on the on the days set that they are different different studios. Yeah. So thus, you really couldn't have the problem of confusing the characters, right? I mean, yeah. wait, who am I? Oh. Which am I? Wait. Yeah, I never confused. I mean, there are days, honestly, like maybe three or you know, two or three, four times a year, I'll do both shows on the same day. And the producers, uh, they're great. They work around my schedule. And that's, I'm very lucky that I am able to do, because also they're both on different networks. So I'm not under contract to either either show so um they put up with that if i was under contract to one show i think it'd be a little harder for a network networks don't like doing that but it's not that big of a deal i mean i'm not you know i'm not really if i'm really really busy and they like if the writers feel like on days of our lives has happened a couple times where if they really know i'm going to be in a big story for the next six months they'll put me under contract so then they'll have you know sort of first they'll have priority and then general hospital will work around that a little bit more knowing that i'm under contract to days but normally i'm not under contract either like for instance now i'm not under contract either show and i like it and that way i can do both shows and i love doing both shows so it works out great for all of us isn't that something so it's in in a way not being under contract which i would think would be a very desirable thing for for an actor works better for you because it makes it so that you're able to do both yeah and the late great John Aniston, who just passed away a couple months, may he rest in peace. Yes. Wonderful. He was a, a mentor of mine. And I just remember him, like when I first came back to Days of Our Lives, he was, because uh, I did, I wasn't under contract, and he was like, well, you don't want to be under contract. And I'm like, I looked at him like, why? He goes, well, he goes, first of all, when they got to make cuts, they're going to be you know, cutting the guys who are under contract and they're having to pay a lot of money to. And that's the guy that's going to lose his job. You, you're, you're going to slide right underneath. And you're not even going to know that the, they won't even know you're working there. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I I never thought of that. And he loved it. He loved it. Like you know what? And it's true. When when big when all the cuts have to happen, you're not on the chopping block when you're when you're not under contract. So that must have thrilled him to to just be right. You know. Yeah. 
Oh, he was under contract for like probably the last 20, 30 years of his, I mean, he, yeah, he was, but he, and he worked on Days of Our Lives a lot. He was, I mean, obviously he was there to the end and, and um, yeah, it didn't matter. You know, they, they, if you get, they get the writers want to write for you, they're going to write for you. And, um, and, you know, as you get older, obviously they want to put a lot of, uh, it, you know, the new characters and the younger characters obviously are important to, uh, you know, the demos and, 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 the, and obviously the show. So us veteran actors, and I'm a veteran actor, um, you know, we don't, we're not working regularly every day, like, you know, I used to. And so, um, it makes more sense you know, business-wise, to not have to worry about my contract and not to worry about, you know, being under or over what they owe me. And uh, so. Well, and it goes without saying that you're just totally reliable. And um, uh, yeah, they're going to be there. You're going to be there for a long time. And what, how wonderful that you had that relationship with John. I mean, I'm sure he, he was quite happy with his offspring as well. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I never, I never talked to him about her. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we talked a little bit, but not, not a lot, you know, we didn't really get into it. And, uh, anyway, it's funny because Deborah, my wife watches friends sort of in the background all the time when she's cooking, just it's sort of like, you know, it's just like, she's not really focusing on it, but it's just and it's like not background noise, but just sort of there to kind of comfort, you know, just sort of. And, uh, and so I watch it now and it's really funny. I mean, it holds up and I never really watched it regularly and I'm, I'll stop and just start looking at it. And then I'm just laughing. I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen this show before. I've never seen this episode. I mean, so it is amazing. It's it really is pretty hilarious and amazing. Well, and I, I'll be sure to hold back on that rumor that I heard that Jennifer Aniston were talking about here, folks. Always had a crush on you, Wally. I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? I, 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 I promote that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to promote it on tape, however, because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want anything on record. But Too late. Yes. <laughs> I was told that, and that's all I, that's all I'm going to say. When she was a teenager, and I mean a teenager, she came to the set because she had evidently had a crush on me, and she and her friend came to the set, and I we took a picture on the on the on the set, so I knew that she did. So I was told that. But anyway, she's she uh, well, actually I saw her at the funeral. It was nice to see her and give her a hug, and I hadn't seen her for oh, forever, so that was nice. Well, and let me just say, I know your lovely wife, and you did okay, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. As a matter of fact, I, I'm doing the math. I'm still, I'm somewhat in shock. Tell me this isn't right. Is it going to be your 20-year anniversary? Yeah. Wow. I, and I got to say this, too. You guys were brilliant, because this is the only couple that I know that had fireworks two different ways on their on their wedding day well i'm, I'm assuming I'm ass i know there was one way because you got married on the fourth of july figurative but. and one was literal yes we were, we were we were married on the fourth of july and uh yes indeed <laughs> we were watching the finale i think somebody said you're gonna have to top that one wally yeah <laughs> we could see the fireworks in the in the distance it's true that was wonderful. That was wonderful. So, you know, General Hospital. Yes. Show's been on for a while. I think I think we could call that classic television, folks. And uh, we are on uh, this April will be sixty years. We will be uh, celebrating the sixtieth. Is that the sixtieth uh, year of General Hospital? Yeah, April in April nineteen sixty three. Crazy, huh? What well, is crazy? And you know what's just as even more crazy? And I just got to throw this in there. I interviewed Butch Patrick this morning. Uh huh. 
And he was on GH the very first year. Oh, as, wow. As a child actor. Oh, wow. That's great. That is great. <laughs> and he just brought that up out of the blue. And I was just thinking, holy smokes, that, that's going to be one to talk to Wally about. Because <laughs> yeah, he was, and I was before Eddie Munster, so it was yes. during that time. Yes, um, not long before, because uh, that was 64, and, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right, Western right before, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Well, and I, I got I to gotta share with you my, my first experience of coming on the set because I don't know if I'd actually joined the band at that point. Um, the, the fictitious band, Eddie Main and the Idle Rich, boy, is really going to confuse people. But I'll explain it all, believe me, in post. Yeah. <laughs> because this was a fake band that was a real band. Yeah. Um, and, oh, we could do a whole other episode on what we did. But um, when I first came to the set, I, I met you a few times, and I came there with C.T., Christian Taylor, our friend, uh, a talented friend, I might add, and um, you were shooting a scene, and there, just standing out in the wings, not not uh, not working, was Stuart Damon and John Engel, and I got to meet them. And I, you know, I <laughs> when I was playing in a band with C.T., ironically, you know, during the early 80s, we were touring and had nothing to do during the day. And of course, well, I, I just fell in love with Luke and Laura and there I was, you know, yeah, I was a GH guy. Yeah. Nice. And meeting Stuart was just a thrill. And oh my gosh, John, I mean, I, th they were the nicest people. I was starstruck, but at the same time, they didn't make me feel I, I don't know. They they made us yeah. feel just so welcome, yeah, and so such warm personalities. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, um, I mean, I've been done. I mean, I, as you know, as people may be listening to this, I've I've done a few uh, guest stars on different shows and different mediums, but pretty much my entire career has been daytime television, and the people, the cast, the crew. They're just wonderful. I mean, you know, I, I've always looked at daytime TV as we're the blue collar, blue collar job. Um, you know, movies. Yeah, I mean, they work hard, obviously, but they're getting, you know, the the actors themselves. They're definitely not blue collar. They're like, you know, they're making a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> we don't make as much money, and we work really, really hard. We do a lot of, we do a hell of a lot more pages a day than they do, and it's just a, a different thing. And I think that has to do with it too. I think everyone has this sort of blue collar mentality and we're all you know we're we're all humble and uh, you know full of humility when we work and and we're not we don't think of ourselves as anything you know more important than it than our you know our the guy who's pulling cables and the guy who's lowering the boom mics and everyone else at least that's that's my attitude we're all team and that's how that's how i think everyone feels yeah no i don't i don't think i'm at in the time that I was there, I never met a single arrogant, uh, I didn't notice it at all. Everybody was just so wonderful. And those two guys, especially, I mean, I mean, it's Prince Charming for Christ's sakes. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Pat, I felt the same way. So it was like in 1977, 78, I was just on my way down to California. And I remember seeing general hospitals and I went, oh, oh. That's Prince Charming. I mean, I remembered. I mean, so he was Prince Charming, what, in the early 60s? So I remember that was 15 years later. I'm like, there he is. Wow. 
He's doing a soap opera. Well, that's cool. And it actually made me think like, oh, soap operas are, you know, so that's like, you know, not a ton of bad job. It's playing Prince Charming's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never went out to LA to be Prince Charming, but I never went out to LA to really, I didn't really, I just wanted to work. I, I didn't really have a specific, um, you know, I, I just want, you know, it's funny, Pat. And I, what, what I really wanted was I did want a long career. I didn't want to be a flash in the pan. I wanted to make sure that whatever I did, I was still able to do it when I was older. And that was about the only kind of deep down feeling I had. Because I remember going out for sitcoms when um, before I started doing days. And I remember thinking like, okay, is this the sitcom? Do I want to do this sitcom? I mean, really, it's like, what if I don't do anything else after this? Because a lot of people have sitcoms. You probably talked to some of them. You know, they don't quite have that you know another sitcom under them there are another you know sometimes it's sort of the last time you hear from them and i for some reason was aware of that i didn't want to do that i didn't want to have that career so what have i found i found the career that i found the genre that i could speak i could be you know doing the same character for 30 years and i guess that's what deep down i sort of always wanted and so i feel like i i really am having the career that i that i planned and that i that was that was uh the most satisfying for me well let's face it it's it it's a dream career because you're getting to do what you love you're not seeing any opportunity uh, any uh um, f f unforeseen okay well this didn't work we're going to cancel <laughs> and i mean i right. know i know soap operas have definitely been challenged since since i was on there with you with uh, yeah you know, the I mean, only four left when I was when I started, you could probably do the math, but I, I don't back in 87 when I started, I'm pretty sure there was at least four on CBS. There was a, there was four on NBC. It was four on uh, four on ABC. So what is that? Twelve? Yeah. Crazy. Maybe I think, I think there might have been even another one on NBC might have had five. So 12, 13. And now there's four. Hmm. So it really has changed. And, uh, but the thing of it is what I love and what I was saying was that it's just the work, you know, all actors just want to get a script. They want to work. They want to get on a set. They want to like pretend and play pretend and, uh, and just, you know, go there and have fun and just, you know, just get lost in our imaginations and our characters and in this stuff. And, um, and it's just, you know, I feel very blessed that I'm still doing it at my age and doing it as long as I have. And people are still sending me scripts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even better, coming from the musical standpoint, it's always great to see you pulling out the Gibson acoustic. <laughs> yeah. And just laying it down. And it's like, okay, folks, you think I can act? Wait until you hear this. Wow. And, that's nice of you. Well, it's, it's true. Like I, you know, I, again, I'm not blowing smoke because I've seen it. I've heard it. There's many, many fans, many fans who, of course, agree with my assessment. <laughs> and it's great. It's great that they're still integrating the fact that that Ned can sing his butt off, even though he's not Eddie Main. <laughs> <laughs> we still have the nurse's ball on occasion. So, yeah, you're right. I get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And last year, I think they had me come in and and, uh, and sing a song, and they asked me if I wanted to write it. And I said, you know what? I haven't written for a while. Let's do it. And I don't know if I told you this, but I, I asked uh, Deborah to help me, and we we wrote it together. She really helped me with the lyrics, which was really fun. She's really good. And I had a ball writing it, and I'm like, Deborah, we got to, like, let's do an album. You, you, you do the lyrics. We can do this. I know we can. We had so much fun writing together. And, you know, writing together is, is hard. I mean, you know, you got to have... You, know, you just gotta have fun and know that you can be silly and know that you can be dumb and say you know sing a lyric that's you know ridiculous and not feel like you know you're you know the, like your partner's looking at you like you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's very vulnerable let's put it this very vulnerable writing and <laughs> and for some reason deborah and i i mean i at least i trusted her and we were just having so much fun and laughing and just you know coming up with the stuff and it really turned out i was just singing it the other night I'm like oh my god and you know, we only did like a verse in the chorus and i go first of all we have to finish it i said we we haven't even finished it we only did like a minute uh and that's all he wanted on the show but anyway i played it on the show and uh and it worked out great everyone seemed to really really like it and uh so yeah i mean i, I they still ask me to, to perform on general hospital and uh it's great I'm oh, lucky. That's fantastic. So the new Kurth and Kurth album is coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a major success. I'm thinking, gosh, maybe I should try writing a song with, with my wife. And it's like, I can see us now in the divorce court. They're going, um, <laughs> so exactly what happened? <laughs> well, you see. No, I, I, I totally get it. No, absolutely. But I think it's because Deborah's is a lawyer. She has no interest in, you know, being a lawyer. <laughs> She was like, well, I, I got nothing to, you know, nothing to lose. You know, she was just thrown out there. But it's so funny because she is the lyricist. When she listens to a song, she starts telling me all the lyrics. I go, I didn't even hear that. I, I, I don't, I'm a music guy. I listen. I realize I'm just listening to the melody. And it's funny when, when we watch TV as well, I'm watching behavior. I don't often listen to the dialogue as much as she does. And so I'll have to pause and go, wait, what, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> to explain to me like oh yeah 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 because as an actor i sometimes i don't i'm not listening to the dialogue i'm watching the i'm watching the actor behave and and uh and i have to really sometimes go okay i'm put on my listening ears just follow the story follow the don't start watching an actor do his thing because i'm an actor that does this thing that's what i often focus on anyway uh it's funny that that that's just part of she's a lyricist and i'm i'm a muse i'm a melody guy and she's the, the lyrical person so that's beautiful and so your honor um my friend wally and deborah they they made beautiful music together <laughs> i know that a lot of our daytime friends are going to get a real kick out of this all right back thank you very much it was great talking to you again and uh call me anytime thanks for being on the show and i'm gonna probably have you back so we can talk a bit more about the music aspect of our friendship because that was a fun era but for now yeah thanks buddy all right patrick great talking to you you too there you have it another retro tv radio episode in the books be sure to check out Wally's new quartet, The Day Players, which is comprised of his fellow daytime acting buddies. Go to thedayplayersband.com to find out more and view their upcoming dates. I'll also leave the links in the description to join Wally's social media community. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a positive review. This is your host, Pat McCormack, and thanks for listening to Retro TV Trivia.